Well, Jordan Peterson, in a conversation with Bishop Barron, shared his thoughts about why people are leaving the church. In this episode, Bobby responds to Peterson and the church. Thinking Christians, it seems that truth is under attack in our world, and the Unapologetic Show exists to help Christians defend the truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Bobby, I wanted to read off some comments. We've been kind of talking a little bit about why people are leaving the church, and we did a, a couple episodes about uh, just looking at a video that the Friendly Atheist did, and there was, some, there was a lot of comments on that first episode, so I just want to read some and, and get your thoughts on it. Uh, Tom said, one of the big reasons for me uh, and many others are cliques in the local church. It's bad when you've belonged to and been active in a church for years, and you still don't feel like you belong. I said that that's tragic. Um <laughs> I don't know exactly how to pronounce this person's name, but I think it's the Imperial, the Imperial 97 said, I became an atheist when I realized that all the all religion was, was a mythical, was just as mythical as every other religion, including the one that's popular in my area. And they went on to talk about how if they you know, were born in India, that they would probably be Hindu. And if they were born in you know, Iraq. The genetic fallacy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Kathleen said, it's not because we are angry at God or because we had a bad experience with one person. We just don't see any evidence or support for the, for a Christian, for the Christian story and about a God and angels and demons and God interpreting uh, or impregnating a teenage girl. You can't force a person to believe this stuff. So there was a number of comments on that video, but I just wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on just some of those comments that were on our, our, our video last time. Uh, well, I would say, Tim, uh, I'm thankful that people are, you know, feeling led to chime in. Yeah. Uh, we want to be able to hear from people's opinions on the matter. I do think when it comes to uh, the reasons that we give, we said, you know, here's five or six reasons. Yeah. Uh, certainly people can add to the list, but a true Christian really has no reason to leave the church. Mm. Now, they might give uh, felt reasons, yeah. but there's really no reason uh, that we should leave the church at large. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't leave a particular local church to go on to another yeah. church, but all of these types of reasons um, that we can list uh, aren't reasons that God would give us to leave the church. So that's one of the problems with looking at the list. Like, why are people leaving the church? As if the Bible would say, here are some reasons to check out. Well, Obviously, as believers, we're part of the body of Christ. Right. Uh, there is the church invisible, right? The bride of Christ that we're a part of. And then there's the visible church, which is comprised of local churches. The invisible church is the universal church. The visible church are these local expressions of the church. And sure, there are times when uh, it is okay for us maybe to go to another church because God's calling us to it. Yeah. Uh, but it's not to leave the church to leave the church. It's to leave the church to go to another local church. Right. And so those that are out there feeling like, okay, well, that's it. Uh, hypocrites, uh, I'm not going to go to church anymore in my life. Why is that? Well, look at Jesus dies on a cross. He rises from the dead. Uh 
And he goes after the disciples that ditched him in his greatest hour of need. Yeah. Uh, and so he didn't throw the towel on humanity. He came and died for humanity. He didn't throw in the towel on his disciples. He went after them and said, go build this thing called the local church. And not only that, when Paul's writing to, uh, for example, the Corinthians, mm-hmm. this church is jacked up. I mean, people are getting inebriated on the Lord's Supper. I mean, that's bad. Like if yeah. there's ever a time to like go ahead and look for another church down the road... It's when you show up and people are getting wasted on communion. It's like, okay, well, maybe I'm being led down the road. Well, even in that situation, Paul didn't say, check out of this church here at Corinth. What he did is he taught them how to stay put by being unified. Mm, that, that's a really good point. Uh, we want to continue to talk about uh, some reasons that people are leaving the church, and we're going to really focus in on uh, some of what Jordan Peterson has been saying. Uh, he's a you know famed psychologist, and he had a conversation with Bishop Barron. He's also done some other videos where he's talked about uh, why maybe specifically men are leaving the church. So we want to look at a little bit of a clip from a very long conversation that I did with Bishop Barron that we'll kind of use to to launch our conversation. But he's talked about this in several different locations, and we can't play them all. We only have so much time. So we'll just we'll look at a short clip here, and then we'll talk about some of what, what he's been saying. If that story that, that the church is telling is not being taken up it's not being sold there's something about it that's not being sold properly i'm not saying yeah. i have the answer to no, that's that, true. You know, but the, like i saw this kid once when i was in montreal and he was about 17 years old and he was big guy big like six foot five guy and and uh you know like a, a physical specimen and oh, he Peterson. was standing on the corner of of a like a shopping area and he had two pink shopping bags in his hands and he looked kind of bereft and i thought you know if you came up to him and said, um, I've got some heroism in battle for you around the corner, he'd drop those, and you said it right, he'd drop those damn pink shopping bags in a second and be off for the adventure of his life. Yeah. And, and you, 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 it, it has to, what is it? Is it a lack of faith, that, that, a fundamental faith that, that is sapping the lifeblood out of that story? Because you're saying, well, here, I'm calling you to an adventure that's as great as any adventure you could possibly conceive. By definition, this is the ultimate adventure that you're being called to. So I think there's a lot of interesting ideas that Jordan Peterson has brought out, particularly in that clip. But I wanted to start with a question. Uh, what does it say about the state of the church that potentially a non-Christian, and we don't know exactly where Jordan Peterson at. Sometimes he's pretty vague. Sometimes he seems like he's over the line of Christianity. Sometimes maybe he's, he's you know, pulling back and saying, I'm, I'm not. But but we know that he's not necessarily an active, you know, in the church, you know, Christian leader. So let's just kind of think about that. But what does it say about someone like Jordan Peterson kind of challenging the church? Well, how should we think about some of that? You know, I take the challenge... Uh, head on. And I'm thankful for somebody like him who's recognizing what the message of Scripture is all about, Mm. that we are invited into a great adventure. But that great adventure uh, comes with much cost and sacrifice. And Jordan Peterson has put his finger on something as it relates to the local church, Tim, and that is we're soft. Mm. Uh, we're trying to make the gospel message palatable to our culture. We often go the way of culture. We compromise. Uh, we reduce the gospel down. And according to Galatians 1, if anyone comes preaching another gospel, let them be anathema. Mm-hmm. Like there is 
only one gospel. And we are confusing the culture as a church by sending them mixed messages on what the church is. In particular, uh, it should be a stern rebuke to all of us in ministry and to us as Christians when there's somebody who's sort of on the outside looking in Mm -hmm. and calling us up to follow Jesus in the way that we were meant to. Now, to your point, uh, he has left this a bit nebulous on where he stands at times, uh, but he has not clearly come out and said, I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and I'm living for him. He's left that a bit ambiguous. And I would want to say the same thing to Jordan Peterson. That's fine. I received the challenge and I take it up right now. And we're going to challenge people in this episode, but I want you to receive the challenge, Jordan Peterson, to take the great adventure that Jesus Christ calls you to and to come out loud and clear and bold because God is can use you in amazing ways, and we hear you loud and clear. And so uh, the message of Peterson, uh, in particular, Tim, uh, has been to call men back to the church. Mm. What he has recognized is that men are dangling. And unfortunately, we're living in a time where the only kind of um, vision that it it seems like the culture is willing to accept the church casting as it relates to manhood is an emasculated manhood, yeah. is a feminized version of manhood. Mm. But we need to call our girls to be women, and we need to call our boys to be men. Right. And we need to uh, recognize that in a culture where there is so much identity confusion, we don't need to go the way of culture, Tim. We need to be the one place that people can go to find out who their identity is in Christ, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, and we need to give clear teaching, and we got to get our heads out of the sands of pastors and quit trying to placate culture and start trying to serve Jesus Christ and begin telling people the truthfulness about the message. I just left a coffee shop before I came to you, Tim, and I kid you not, I mean, I just saw this androgynous looking person that looked much more probably toward a female tilt, but it was clearly a guy Mm. posing as a female and it sent an androgynous message of where on the letter spectrum of LGBTQI plus this person stands. And I saw this friendly yet hollow, empty soul Mm. and he looked horrendous walking in in this female attire slash male haircut, Mm. and people are confused. It's just a reminder of how confused people are, and we can validate that confusion. We can validate that hurt and pain, but we need to call people up. And so Peterson's message is, you know what? Stick out a sign on the side of the road of your church and say, Men are welcome, and then yeah. give these men a vision of what it means to be a man. Yeah, Amen. I think that's great. I think, and there are there are responsibilities that come with being a man. I mean, just even what you just talked about—that person in the coffee shop. There's responsibilities to that. But I think sometimes men, when we start to suffer or when we we feel like we're kind of in a bad place, we we tend to shirk those responsibilities. And I think that's maybe that's one of the things that Jordan Peterson is is kind of getting at. So, how does taking on kind of more responsibility uh, help us endure? that suffering, particularly from the lens of maybe being a man? Well, 
Jordan Peterson had a statement uh, that I've got written right in front of me. It says, the meaning that sustains you Mm. and protects you from corruption during suffering is to be found in responsibility. Now, let me just read that again, because if a leader, uh, if, if a listener's driving, they might have wanted to write this down. So here it is. The meaning that sustains you and protects you from corruption during suffering is to be found in responsibility. Yeah. Well, we're often often casting a vision for meaning through happiness or privileges or through escaping suffering. Mm. But when we're suffering, um, that is the time for us to exercise our great Christian responsibility of remaining faithful, mm. of holding fast, to the vision that is set before us. That's what Jesus did. He was responsible with his vision when he was suffering. He's like, okay, uh, you know, if this cup of suffering can pass by me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I want to be responsible to fulfill your will, Father. Mm. And then it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now that's an interesting thought. How do you go to a cross uh, with joy because of the promise of the outcome that the adventure Jesus went on would produce, that he would be back in the presence of the Father and that he would have purchased a future bride. Mm. And when we suffer, we need to keep our eye on the ultimate goal, the ultimate promise, what this adventure is all about, that it transcends our earthly experience, that there is promises to be experienced in a life that will be ultimately fulfilled throughout our eternity with Christ. And that should do something deep in us. And so far from casting aside our responsibility, and what we want is we want to assuage our angst Mm. to experience something more ironic than the pain that we're going through. But the way we have to comb through those difficulties, Tim, is not in giving ourselves a free pass to take the bait of hedonism on, but rather to pick up the cross of Christ and go deeper in to that cross-carrying relationship of being faithful in the midst of the torrential storm that we find ourselves in. And then that can create the opportunity for the church to be a spectacle, but not one that's a laughing stock, but one that models what it looks like to hold out hope Mm. through the horrors of difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit maybe about like, because Christian... Christianity has a standard. I mean, Jesus says in John 15 that if you love me, that you'll follow my commands, that there's this standard that that we're called to as Christians, and we fall short, and we mess up, and we're not perfect, and there's definitely hypocrisy in the church. We talked about that. So talk to us a little bit about uh, the call that Christ gives us to meet these certain standards and how that might relate to uh, where we're at in suffering or how we can help, how, how that can help us walk through suffering. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands Mm -hmm. in John 14, 15. So rule keeping flows out of relationship keeping. And so when we're suffering, uh, we won't suffer well. We'll turn to hedonism Mm. if we don't have that relationship. We will cast aside the responsibility to faithfully follow him in order to anesthetize ourselves in the midst of our difficulty and anguish. But if we keep that relationship tight, Jesus says, 
you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So if we're going to suffer well, it's going to mean abiding in Jesus. And it's through that abiding in the relationship with Christ that our love begins to flourish for him. And then we will have the moral energy, so to speak, to want to be obedient to his vision. And so that is why it's got to be so much more than calling people in the pews to rule keeping. Uh, But also we have to let people know they're coming into something bigger than a relationship. A lot of this watered-down gospel preaching is inviting people into a relationship without strings attached. Yeah. Well, grace does grace does mean we don't have to earn anything. But if we are in a relationship with Christ, we should want to honor him. And he even says it, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So in other words, what he is saying is uh, we don't have a rule-keeping problem, so to speak. We don't have a sin problem. We have a relationship problem. Uh, If we love, we have a love problem. The reason we sin is we don't love him enough. And that is our ultimate responsibility, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so the thing that I would have in check with the Peterson is we can call people all day long to rules, right? He wrote the the rules for life, right? The 12 rules for life. Well, it's uh, the number one... The, the sum and bonum, the greatest rule of life needs to be to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Otherwise, if we don't have that ultimate rule for life to love God, then it's just religiosity. And religiosity won't be enough to have responsibility in the midst of a trial unless the motivation for that responsibility is so that people can look at us and say, oh, look at our lives. But if we want to live a life that demonstrates the glory of God and the pricelessness of His grace, Mm. then we need to be motivated for something more. So yes, we do have sin problems, but the reason we sin is because we had a bigger problem. We have a love problem. Right, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Let's talk a little bit, Peterson mentioned this in that clip, Uh, let's talk a little bit about adventure. So what adventure is Christ ultimately calling us to go on, and does it involve suffering? And if so, uh, why would anyone want to go on an adventure that they know is going to involve suffering? So is there an adventure that the church is is called to? I think that people are willing to go on lots of adventures uh, that couldn't require some suffering. Yeah. I mean, you think about um, the different explorers throughout uh, the ages. Yeah. They went on these adventures, and guess what? It's like, um, uh, was it Lindbergh that uh, you know was the first person to fly across the Atlantic yeah, in a plane? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, he had basically... Uh, you know, no window that he was looking out of. He had uh, just enough to make it. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't sure he was going to do it, but it was worth the risk to him. Yeah. Uh, people who have went to the moon, uh, other explorers like Marco Polo or Ferdinand Magellan or Christopher Columbus and yeah. uh, people like this, they were willing to take great risk in order to... Uh, uh, to experience something more beautiful and more powerful. And Jesus, uh, you know, he came and he went on an earthly adventure, invited us to go into the adventure with him. And he tells us that there's a greater home than where we are. Um, Much like in the interview that we saw with Jordan Peterson and uh, 
the, a baron yeah. where they were talking, where Baron says Gandalf, uh, you know, invites Bilbo um, out of uh, their little houses, their little hobbit yeah. shacks. Why? They got to get out of those shacks to go catch the adventure. Yeah. Jesus invites us out, but there's no guarantee that we're not going to suffer. But uh, what, what if we don't want to suffer in life, then we just need to uh, go and wrap ourselves in a bubble. But even in that, we're not protected from suffering. Yeah. I mean, why would anybody want to be a boxer? Why would anyone want to be a football player? Why would anybody want to be a professional athlete? Yeah. Uh, why would anybody want to be a paramedic or a police officer? Uh, why would anybody want to have to work in hospice? care. Right. I mean, suffering comes in all forms of life. Yeah. So we shouldn't think just because Jesus called us to a great adventure that it's going to be absent of suffering, but he did do the right thing. Mm. He let us know that suffering would come because people are going to reject us on account of him, that they're going to hate us. But he says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you'll suffer, yeah. but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so he tells us uh, to take heart. Paul in Philippians 3.10, shockingly enough, he's so tethered into his relationship with Jesus. He says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and become like him even in his suffering, right? He wants to share in his suffering, becoming like him even in his death. Imagine showing up at a small group, Tim, and saying, you got any prayer requests tonight? And having someone like Paul said, yeah, I was just wondering if you'd pray for me. I was hoping that I could suffer on account of Christ and even become like him in his death. We'd all think, how pretentious is that? But that was Paul. Right. It's almost like humans are built for adventure, right? I mean, you just think like, exactly. Know, why, why are we doing, like, people exactly. are climbing Mount Everest. They're trying to, I just watched a video the other day where someone was trying to get to the, the bottom of the deepest part of the ocean. It's like 36,000 feet, you know, and uh, the guy's submarine, you know, failed a thousand feet. And it's like, why would anyone want to go there? But we just where it's built for adventure. And we see that, uh, you know, you'd mentioned uh, several characters in the New Testament, and there's several characters in the Old Testament that just went on an adventure. I mean, I was thinking about Abraham and, you know, how he was called to an adventure and Noah was called to an adventure. And so I think that's just part of who we are and how we're designed. So maybe we'll end with um, uh, talking a little bit about the cosmic drama. How can we know what our cosmic drama is and this yeah. this whole idea of adventure and, and being part of suffering and, and just enduring? How do we know what that is? Jesus tells us that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly yeah. or fullness of life. Uh, Paul says to live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, you know, to live without Christ is just an existence because we were created for Christ. We were created to know him. Mm. We were created to make much of him. And so when we're not in a relationship with him, what do we do? We go after adventure substitutes. Yeah. And we look for things like money or power or fame, uh, these types of things for our happiness. Mm. The kind of adventure that Jesus invites us into is one where we experience forgiveness of our sins, yeah. where he takes away our shame, where he takes away our guilt, where he removes condemnation from us. Well, why is that important to the adventure? Because those things weigh us down and you can't go on a good adventure yeah. when you're weighed down. So 
by coming to Jesus through the cross, what happens is, is he removes the weight of our sin, which takes away the weight of our guilt, which takes the weight of our shame away, which takes away the weight of condemnation so that we can be free to go on the adventure with him. And that adventure is in being part of his kingdom life now, uh, being salt and light in the world that we live in, uh, making a difference in the world, not going the way of the world, but inviting the world into the adventure. This world is imprisoned by their sin. They're blinded in the matrix of uh, of their fallenness. And God has shown us the truth. And we get to go on a venture of being way showers and helping people to know who he is. And so that's why we should come to Jesus for his glory. And so other people can know him. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I will end with this. You've shared several times parts of your story and your story is such a great picture of adventure how you grew up and your conversion and then, you know, continuing on and being in ministry and then having a platform. And so that's just, and then being hurt by the church and then having to suffer through some of that stuff and then coming back into the church and wanting to continue to pastor. So appreciate you and everything that you've said in this episode, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Well, I want to say to our audience, thank you so much for joining us. We are trying to reach two goals. We're trying to reach 100,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We're trying to raise $25,000 before the end of 2022. If you can help us with either of those goals, Uh, Mm -hmm. The information is on the screen right now, and you can check out this episode on our audio-only podcast. And with that, we will meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.